الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وربطنا على قلوبهم اذ قاموا فقالوا ربنا رب السماوات والارض لن ندعو من دونه الها لقد قلنا لقد قلنا اذا شططا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سبعه يظلهم الله في ظله يوم لا ظل الا ظله امام عادل وشاب نشا في عباده الله عز وجل الى اخر الحديث او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected and honorable young friends and brothers and elders there was a time in every person's life every such person who later on went to become some very great personality whether it was in our country there were many many great personalities that have passed most importantly those who were personalities in deen whether it was for example in the work of dawat and tabligh so most of you may not have seen him but haji bhai padia sahab rahmatullah alai who had commenced the work of dawat in this country so whether it was him and then in terms of the ilmi line and dini line the other personalities obviously the great ulama that had been present in our country most of these senior people who have already passed away in the durban area was hazrat maulana abdul hakim mardi sahab rahmatullah alai maulana yunus patel sahab rahmatullah alai and many others in petermarisburg and throughout the province that time there were very few throughout the country then apart from that there were those who played a very very big role in terms of communities they were not very learned in terms of deen maybe they knew the basics but they played a very major role in terms of uplifting the muslims in terms of the community and they really gave a great amount of service to deen in that regard there were those who established institutions those who were in the forefront of establishing masjids madrasas so all these people at that stage of their lives people were very very appreciative also of what they did and they regarded them as very great people but all of these people at some stage in their lives they were at your age at some stage in their life obviously nobody was born and then something happened and the clock just turned at top speed and the next morning he woke up he was 25 years old and then another night he went to sleep and the next morning he woke up he was now 45 years old suddenly and really doing a lot no they all were at one stage your age younger than you and then the same phases that you are going through now this is our, in our country throughout the world there have been people who have really done a great amount of work for deen they have served deen tremendously they have really been beacons of light 
for thousands, for hundreds of thousands of people. They have been at the forefront of the knowledge of deen. Likewise in communities, people who really served, not just communities, they were at the forefront of taking entire countries forward. But they all at some stage in their lives, were at the age that you are. But many a times, if one looks into the lives of these people, who have gone ahead, who have really played a tremendous role, who have really laid the foundations on which thereafter generations were built, then there are sometimes some very very glaring qualities that are common among them. Some people excel in something, some excel in something else, somebody has some very special quality in terms of maybe his ability of knowledge, somebody is very very excellent in terms of his ability to be of physical service to people. So in certain things some person might really excel above the others, somebody is something else, but there are certain things that are common to everybody. And we go back in their lives, we'll find that these are the common factors. What are these common factors? There are many, many things. But some of the common factors that made them what they finally became. And this is the point that we wish to bring alive today here. That many a times when a person is in this stage of life, there is no vision for the future that I will also inshallah one day perhaps be able to do something for deen or serve my community or become a means of help for others, a means of guidance for others. Generally our vision is something for the, for the moment. Thereafter what happens in life inshallah we will see when we get there. Whereas everyone sitting here has that potential to do what these people did. Everyone sitting here has that potential to become that guiding light for not hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. Everyone sitting here has that potential to become the leader of a community. Is there. Allah Ta'ala has blessed everyone with that. But like in anything else, there is a system. A person wants to become a doctor, now he has to go through a certain procedure, then he'll finally finish off there. But now a person was sitting on the farm the whole, his whole life, and weeding the weeds there, and plowing the land, and then he says, well, the doctor spent six years, I'm here twelve years now, so I should be also a doctor now. He says, but you can spend your whole life weeding the farm, you'll become a farmer, but you won't become a doctor. There's a procedure, you want to become a doctor, you must go to medical school, first you'll have to go to school, from pre-primary and then primary and then secondary school and then must go to medical school, you'll spend 24, 23, 24 years of your life like that first, then you'll get somewhere. So likewise, there is a procedure for all this. That a person who has acquired certain qualities, Allah will open the way for him. Allah will use him. And among those qualities, some of the highlights, now, at this stage of life, many other things are very high. Many other things are a little bit far from us. We're talking about what is close to us. What applies to us now. One of the key aspects is adab. 
one of the key aspects is adab, respect. And all these people we're talking about, whose names we took, whose we didn't take, there are hundreds, maybe thousands in our own country that have passed on and throughout the world. But the one common factor that you'll find in all these people's lives, and this is something almost without exception, that the one factor that every one of them possessed was adab. And nobody has progressed anywhere in life to any point of excellence, to any point of being distinguished in some field, even it's a worldly field, without adab. This is something that's written on the wall. You can go and research it and find out. Even to the extent that even a non-Muslim, a non-Muslim who has excelled in his own field, somebody is a very highly qualified specialist in some field, he's not a Muslim also. Or whatever some field it might be in, but you go and check in his life also, he's progressed not without respect. Other factors also play a part obviously. But any person who had all the other things but was devoid of respect he didn't make it in any point of distinction any point of excellence go and research it and find out you'll come to the same conclusion and people have researched it Abdul Hafiz Makki Sahab who people of Peter Marisburg are quite familiar with he spent several Ramadans or the last 10 days of Ramadan in Atikaf so once he was at the Madrasa and he was giving a talk to the students and he was mentioning that one person in India years ago this was something that he was curious about that there must be something common in all these people in the various distinguished fields there must be something, there is a common thread so he even started interviewing people who had excelled in whatever field somebody in the medical field, somebody in the maybe accounting field obviously those in the Dini field it goes without question and to the extent that he went and interviewed one person who was very, very noted as an excellent shoe shiner. Now can we think about somebody shining shoes? What excellence? But people, now in India, especially nowadays, this seems to become quite a common thing. Like people don't get the time to shine their shoes. So you find at airports and wherever else, people ready to shine the shoes for a fee. So... This is a very common thing in India, every street corner you'll find somebody shoe shiner. Now there are some people who become very famous in this. So a person now will be passing somebody else, he'll skip that person and come to this particular person. Or he might walk a further distance to come to him because he has become quite noted for it. So he went and interviewed such a person also. And in a general way, just talking, asking questions, one common factor he found in all of them, Muslim, non-Muslim, whoever they were, the common factor he found in them, that all of them respected their elders and their teachers, without exception. Without exception, all of them had this particular aspect in their lives that passed, and what was current as well, that they had respect for their elders and their teachers. And that respect opened the doors for them. If a person doesn't have Iman, once he leaves dunya, there's nothing for him. 
the precondition for Jannat is Iman. The precondition for the bounties of Akhirat is Iman. Person has left without Iman, then he's in perpetual doom. Then there's no peace for him at all. But in dunya, the system in dunya is that if a person has respect, even Allah forbid without Iman, but he has respect, he'll progress in dunya. Akhirat, the doors are closed to him if he goes without Iman. Now this is the core thing, unfortunately, which the ummah is fast losing. And those personalities that have passed, the caliber that they had reached, that potential each one present today has, that potential is there, but unfortunately many a times we put barriers in our way and don't realize that potential, the barrier of disrespect, the barrier of not having adab. Adab, for all who are deserving of that adab, every Muslim is deserving of that adab, but starting off with our parents, they have the greatest right above us. And to the extent that there will be adab and respect for parents, doors will open up in that regard. Then after the parents is our ustads. And then the various other categories of people, everybody is deserving of adab, but this is a priority, line of priority, the greatest adab for the parents, then ustads. There was one alim, I might have mentioned this incident once before here, I cannot remember, mentioned in many places, so perhaps I spoke about it here as well. There was an alim who was based in Madina Sharif. <coughs> he passed away about 3-4 years ago. So he happened to be visiting South Africa, this was about 5-6 years ago that he was here. So, not talking to him, I met him for the first time, and in the process, while discussing, he mentioned that he is now going to be leaving South Africa and going straight for Hajj. It was just the time after between Ramadan and Hajj. And the topic of Hajj came out, so as now you talk, one thing leads to another. And then in that process, he mentioned that, well, he was just somewhere before that, and one of his friends who knew him from a long time, originally from Pakistan but based in Madinah Sharif so he says one of the friends that he was visiting so he told them that he's leaving for Hajj so they asked him how many Hajj you made now over the years how many Hajj you've made so they asked him a question just out of interest or whatever so then he mentioned it he said Alhamdulillah thus far I've made 42 Hajj not 4.2 42 Hajj now 42 Hajj, subhanallah. So now this person said to him that, uh, see we've heard this, that when a person in the alam arwah where all the souls were gathered, when Ibrahim wasalam, was given the command to call people to Hajj after building Baytullah, and all the people who were still, their souls were in alam arwah and whoever said Labbaik, and if they said Labbaik once, that soul said Labbaik once, they'll go for Hajj once. The soul said Labbaik twice, they'll go for Hajj twice. So he said that it seems like your soul never stops saying Labbaik. 42 times you've been for Hajj already. So it seems like your soul was just saying Labbaik all the time. So he said yes, that's probably what it was. But he says that in terms of the external means and reasons for it, I think there's another reason for it also. So what's the other reason? So then he explained the other reason for it. Now this we're just getting to this aspect of 
adab, respect, aspect of knowing what is the our responsibility towards our parents, towards our seniors. If we acquire this one quality in life too, inshallah this will open the doors for everything for us. So in any case, he says that he was a young boy in Pakistan, in one rural area of Pakistan and his mother got very very sick. And before that he mentioned, before his mother became very ill also, he says he was at that time quite young, 11-12 years of age and he was very much interested in his schooling and not keen about his madrasa and so on. So every morning he used to be very enthusiastic about going to school so his mother would tie his lunch and whatever else and he was disinterested in doing anything beyond now learning deen so in any case his mother would do whatever is necessary and when she was sending him off this was he says a standard thing every morning she would tell him look I'm doing all this for you I'm going to get rewarded I'm going to get rewarded but how I wish I was sending you off to madrasa to learn deen like this I would have got rewarded even more and see this was a standard statement every morning this was a mother who had a vision. So in any case, in that process she got very ill. So you see, as time passed, she became bedridden also. She said, as much as I could, I would be at her bedside. I was a young boy, and he says some years passed like this. And now this person got all his energies and what not, he wants to run here and go here and do that. You see, I just remained, every free time I had, I remained confined to my mother's khidmat. And from time to time, whatever she needed to do, he says, eventually the time came, she became so ill, and besides being bedridden, she couldn't even turn from one side to the other just to take some comfort out of that. She needed help to be turned. I would be present as much as I could any time she needed the slightest thing I was ready for her. And he says, eventually, she passed away. Now he says that one thing that used to happen, that whenever she used to be needing some khidmat, now the years are passing in this condition. And now she can see that this is a young child, he's a young boy, he's got all these aspirations that other young children have. And there are so many things out there that are inviting him, so many things that are becoming a means of distraction for him too. But he is still dedicated to my service, my khidmat. So what duas might be coming out of her heart, but in any case, he says every time I did something for her, every now and again, once in a while, every now and again, she would give me one dua. Now we are talking about, four or five years ago he said he made 42 hajj. He was already in his late 60s at that time. And so this is now at least about 70-80 years old story. Or 70 years at the least. So at that time, even in South Africa, 40-50 years ago, there would be maybe a handful of people that from any one community would go for Hajj. 40-50 years ago, very few. People didn't have that amount of wealth. Maybe the whole country, there were probably a few hundred. Maybe even less than that, 40-50 years ago. I remember in my childhood, in, when in Stanger is where I grew up, so at that time, every person would know who went for Hajj, because there were so few people. And it was a very big thing. The last Juma before the person is leaving now, if he's leaving the weekend, that Juma he will stand at the back of the masjid and he'll meet the whole masjid. And everybody will be so anxious to meet him also. Because only two, three people going. Now you don't know who came back already. Once 
it happened to be just in the days of Qurbani and so on and by chance something cake so I took a was going to take a haircut took all the hair off it was hot also it was summer I took everything off it became like a hajj cut basically bless so one person who in the local masjid we meet almost daily meaning see each other almost daily but it happened that now for those few days before hajj maybe about four five days before hajj mothers are closed for the qurbani so i wasn't in spingo for the few days so basically it was just about three four days before hajj that the mothers had closed so up to that day he probably saw me also we had seen each other and i came back after qurbani was over and he happened to see me from the distance without any hair so he came rushing to meet me to say Hajj Mabrur and then as he came right close to me he said but I saw you few days ago <laughs> so definitely you didn't go so in other words you're not even sure who went and who didn't come who didn't go somebody you see every day to possibly went and somebody went and came one month later you hear you went and came you don't even know who went so many people are going in that time was a handful of people now that is in South Africa now we're talking about a rural area of Pakistan in a village probably in years maybe one person was going now in that context in that situation now to understand this that he's saying in that time now when one person now might go from that area in years my mother would keep giving me dua he says that every time now and then I would do something for her see she would give me dua may Allah ta'ala take you for hajj may Allah ta'ala take you for hajj he says this was something so far-fetched one rural area of Pakistan, one poor family. Say, so hardly you have the ability to go through to the city sometime. You haven't seen past your village. And now she's talking about going for Hajj. One person goes for Hajj, the Hadi Sahib, he's like a person who's held in such high esteem. He went for Hajj, subhanAllah. Because it was such a unique thing. And now she's telling me every time, giving me dua, may Allah Ta'ala take you for Hajj. She says, it was the most far-fetched thing from my mind. Now think well now this old lady now she's saying something let it be. So in any case she passed away. She passed away Allah Ta'ala put something in his heart and he decided to then go to now he's that after she passed away that statement of hers every morning that she was sending him earlier to school and giving him that or making that statement how I wish you were learning deen that struck him. So he decided to go and study deen. So he went to a madrasa became an alim and shortly after he became a alim, something just worked out for him and somebody made some arrangements for him to come and settle down in Madina Sharif and teach there, in one madrasa there. So he, that time was much easier to settle there. So Allah's Fazal, he shortly after he finished off his cause and he ended up going and settling in Madina Sharif. Now he settled in Madina Sharif, so now he's in Madina Sharif, so every year he started making hajj, no difficulty. So he continued making Hajj and then he said that the year before this year that this discussion that is taking place he's talking about the year prior to that. So he says that, that last year now he's saying last year I was sure that I'm never going to make it. In other words for that time I was now 41 Hajj without a break. 41 Hajj without missing one in between. And he says last year I was sure I'm not going to make it. So why? He says, just before, after Ramadan, he went to Pakistan to visit his family. He was supposed to be there for about a month. And then return in time for Hajj. While he was in Pakistan, he met in a serious car accident. And his leg 
besides being broken, it was the bone was shattered and whatever else, and the car caught a light. So his leg was badly burned also. And as a result, he ended up about almost a month in hospital. After that hospital stay, he got discharged. And then he finally left Pakistan and returned to Madinah Sharif. He says the day before people are leaving for Mina now. So now tonight he reached and tomorrow morning people are leaving for Mina. So now he was sure that this is done now, there's no chance. Whatever Allah Ta'ala will, let it be. So any case now he says he landed in Madinah Sharif around Maghrib time. His daughter used to also live in Madinah Sharif, so he went straight to her house. He says he barely got there and about an hour later one of his students phones him. So he says to him, aren't you going for Hajj? She said to him, going for Hajj, I just landed and this is my condition. I can't even walk, my leg is all bandaged up and I'm in this condition, where am I even going to make it for Hajj? So he told him, no, you don't worry about anything, I'm coming, I will make all the arrangements, I'm coming with my car and throughout the Hajj, I will take care of everything, I got my own wheelchair, you come down just with your haram. He was living in some, that flat or something. He says, I'm coming down in one hour's time or two hours time. You just be down with your haram and the rest of it I'm bringing. So he said to him, look, all that in his place, there is that paper that is required, that permission, which you got to get from the local authorities to be able to go and perform hajj. For the travel purposes, whatever it is, some kind of document that is required for even the locals. So he says, that document I haven't got, and that takes a few days to process, and at the moment all the offices are closed now. So there's no question about it. So leave it. So this person, the student says to him, look, I had all your details. Probably he might have accompanied him before that. I had all your details. I already got your document made already. It's with me. I have this in my hand. I'm coming with my car, and I will fetch you. He says, eventually, that one, two hours later, that student came, and he fetched him, and then they drove down to Makam Karama, and then he took him throughout the, all the aspects and the rites of Hajj, and made all the khidmat, and he says, that year when I had written it off in my mind, that year when I had written it off, that this year is out of the question, I'm not going to make it. He says, even in that year also, Allah Ta'ala took me, this was the dua of my mother. That as many times, it, my mind was, that every now and again, once in a while, she would give me this dua, as many times she uttered it, Allah knows best that time, that many times I go, I'm going to make Hajj. It happened that that year after that Hajj, he passed away. But now this lesson, that it seemed like a passing thing, but where it took him? It was this dua that took him to Madinah Sharif. It was this dua that made the arrangements for him to settle in Madinah Sharif, so that he could make this Hajj. Because the mother's dua was to make hajj repeatedly and to facilitate that he had to be close because he didn't have the financial means to keep going from far. So the doors to Madinah Sharif opened up for him. And the doors for this 42 hajj opened out to him. And Allah knows best in that process what else he gained. But what was the, the point behind it? What was the issue behind it? This adab, this service, this khidmat, this respect, this is my mother, this is my father, these are my elders. Nowadays, previously, 
the uncle was also given the same respect like the father. Now the father is not given the respect what even the elder brother should get. Even the father too is not given the respect which the elder brother should get. Before even the uncle used to get the father's respect. So the uncle there is no, no question about it. That is now far away thing. Even the father also will become a far away thing. Now this is a very very sad situation. So this respect and adab is a very big thing. And this is whoever has progressed have progressed as a result of sifat, of qualities. And there is no peace in anything else but in sifat. In acquiring qualities. Everybody is looking for something. What they want, whatever a person is doing is looking for something. What he is looking for, he is looking for that peace. Looking for that happiness. Outwardly a person may seem to be whatever he is looking like. But ask his heart, there might be a very different story. One person who was very depressed. So, he was very very depressed. So now finally somebody gave him some directions and so on. Told him, you know what, there's a psychiatrist there. You go and visit him and he'll treat you. So in any case, he came to the psychiatrist. It was in a high rise building. So now he's being interviewed by the psychiatrist, whatever. So he asked him all the problems he's having and so on and so forth. So after all the whole long story, so the psychiatrist told him, you see, actually your problem is a small thing. See, all this depression you're feeling and all that is a small thing. You just need to open out a little bit, laugh a little and so on. You'll come right. And then he told him, you see, I come here. And he's showing him out of the window, in the distance. So he's showing him, can you see what's there in the distance? So he's looking now, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So now what do you... So he says, can you see the tent there, the big tent in the... See, I can see the tent. So you see, that is the tent of the circus. Don't misunderstand this. I'm not saying it's permissible to go to the circus. So any case saying that the circus tent that. You see that certain time there's one clown there. And he has a one hour show or something. Saying all kinds of funny things and really makes people laugh. People walk out from there holding their stomach. They can't even bear. How much is that to laugh? Their stomachs are paining laughing. You just go there and sit there. One hour you'll be fine. So you just need to open out a little bit. When you'll bite in there one hour you'll laugh there you'll be fine. He gave him like such an easy prescription. People now normally are afraid they're going to have to take big, big tablets and whatnot, and uh, what other things they might have to do. Now he said to him, go sit there and laugh for one hour and you'll be fine. So he should be leaving laughing from there. But now this fellow is just looking at him blank. No expression on his face. So, he said, did you understand what I'm saying? So he said, I understood you very well. So he said, aren't you going to do it? So this patient asked him that, do you know who I am? Who are you? He says, I am the clown that performs in the circus. I am the clown that performs in the circus. When I say all these funny things, then people can't hold their stomachs. They, they can't bear it. Their stomachs are paining so much. I am the fellow saying all the funny things. Now, if he was saying all the funny things, apparently he should be... Now, people are unable to bear the laughter then he should be happier. He should be the happiest person around because he is making everybody so happy. But he was the one that was most down. Because this happiness is not what is outside. The outside things can make things a little comfortable but it can't bring happiness. Happiness is something else inside. Otherwise, 
There are many times people, Allah forbid Allah Ta'ala protect one and all, people have committed suicide in the lap of luxury. People have committed suicide when they had whatever money could buy. Whatever they wanted, they could have it. But they still took their own lives. And when a person comes to that stage where he now wants to take his own life, Allah Ta'ala forbid, there's such a major crime in the court of Allah Ta'ala. The Hadith Sharif will come, such a person will be punished in that same manner that he took his life repeatedly. Somebody dropped himself from a mountain, then يَتَرَدَّى فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدًا مُخَلَّدًا فِيهَا أَبَدًا In the mountain of the fire of Jahannam, he'll keep rolling down repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, infinitely. Somebody cut himself in some way, and he will, that pain will be repeated, but obviously multiplied so many times more. Because now this will be with the dagger of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala protect and save us. But the point here is, and the lesson is, that if these external things could give comfort, could, could give happiness, then such a person would have been the happiest person. And a person taking his life means he's come so rock bottom, that he's got no, nothing left for him in life apparently, for, in his mind. In his mind, all this has now come to nothing. So now he just wants to just disappear. So where does this happiness come from? This happiness and this peace can only come from one source. It comes from the creator of happiness and peace. It comes from Allah Ta'ala. Shaykh Hazrat Muhammad Shahaki Mawadakhtar Sahib Rahmatullah he summarized this aspect about where this peace lies in some very short beautiful couplets. See there's two, two pictures. One is a picture of those who are in dunya, meaning far away from Allah Ta'ala. They are immersed in all the sin and whatever else. But from the outside they seem very, very happy. They seem to be enjoying life. And then there's other person who seems to be dedicated in the masjid and in the work of deen. He's going out in jamaat and he's, there's some deeny program somewhere. He's making the time and effort to go there. Now, this person seems to be having a royal time. This person seems to be in a... He is in some kind of real hard labor. So Hazrat gives this whole picture in some couplets. What he says? Dushmano ko eshe abo gil diya. Dushmano ko eshe abo gil diya. Dosto ko apna darde dil diya. That the enemies of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gave them the leisures and pleasures of dunya. Now, apparently they seem to be having a royal time. They seem to be enjoying themselves and there's no restriction, whatever, do what you want, go where you want. Seem to have a very, there's fun and excitement and everything is carrying on. So, dushmano ku eshe abo gil diya or dosto ku apna darde dil diya. And his friends, what did Allah Ta'ala give them? Allah Ta'ala gave them his muhabbat, his love. Now this is what this distribution is. These people have been given this, and these people have been given this. But now how does it unfold from there? How does it unfold? Unku sahil par bhi tughyani mili. Unku sahil par bhi tughyani mili. Aur humko tufano mein bhi sahil diya. 
says they are on the shore, on the shore meaning in apparently the lap of luxury and comfort. They are on the shore, but in the shore also they are being battered by storms. Deep in the sea, the storms are very heavy. Unlike on land, land is not as much. Now and then the storm comes on land, heavy also. But in the deep sea, it's very heavy very often. Now they are on the shore, but they are being battered by the storms of the deep ocean. Now outwardly the person is seeming to be in the lap of luxury. But ask his heart. Ask his heart what's happening. Why is he now trying to always find something else? Why is he always trying to uh, entertain himself with something different now? Because there's just no satisfaction. There's just no peace. And then now from one thing to another, then he needs something that will give him a greater kind of so-called fun and something heavier and something harder. And then one thing leads to another and then in the end, where is he? The gutters. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So now outwardly, he seems to be having a grand time. But on the shore also, he's being battered by storms. And on the other side, the friends of Allah Ta'ala, who Allah Ta'ala is blessed with his muhabbat, or hamku tufano may be sahil diya. Being insan, being human beings, they also face the challenges of dunya. Sometimes they also are surrounded by a storm. But in the midst of that storm also, they are still enjoying the pleasure of being on shore. Meaning that inner peace. Externally they are also sometimes in challenges. They also feel pain. They also are hurt. But with all that, their hearts are linked to Allah Ta'ala. As a result, in all those challenges, they are still at peace. They are actually getting an enjoyment in those challenges. This might sound like a very strange thing, enjoyment in challenges. Yes, that's a reality. And it's a very simple thing to understand. Many people are very fond of hot food or something really spicy. Very spicy and hot. Now, sometimes a person is eating that spicy hot food and he puts it on his, in his tongue, on his mouth, in his mouth, on his tongue. And already as soon as he's placed it, that is giving its now the tings, tingling has started and now his mouth is on fire and his eyes are watering and his nose is beginning to run and then what is he saying? Give some more also. Somebody says, why are you putting yourself in this azab? Take it away from him. He's putting yourself in this azab. So he says, look, if you don't want this azab, you go somewhere else. Give me the azab. This azab I'm enjoying. There's no azab to me. This is a real enjoyment to me. But now it's so spicy and hot that it's actually making him now all kinds of funny sounds and coming out of his mouth and his eyes are watching, everything's happening but he's enjoying it. What this illustrates to us is that there can be pleasure in pain. But now this is just a very very small thing when a person's heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala. And even if he's in a challenge, he won't ask for any challenges. He'll always ask for afiyat. Always ask for safety and for ease. But if some challenge has come, while making an effort to try and overcome it, but his heart will be attached to Allah Ta'ala, that if in this condition also Allah Ta'ala is pleased with me, I'm happy. Hazrat Ayyub you might have heard his incident, what kind of conditions came upon him, very ill, all his children were lost, passed away, 
all his wealth and property lost. And then everybody deserted him. Only his wife stood by his side. Can you imagine a person, everybody, everybody without exception. Only his wife. Everybody else deserted him. No one who come close to him because of his illness. Lost all his children. Lost all his wealth. Down and out. I don't think nobody at the moment has any such one fraction of it also. Probably in the whole dunya. In any case, time passed like this, a long time. Once his wife even said to him, that why don't you make dua that Allah Ta'ala removes this difficulty from you. So he asked her that, look this difficulty has come, how long has this difficulty stayed with me? Thus far. So she said, well it's 40 years. He says, before this difficulty came, how many years of prosperity, ease, comfort I had? He says, 80 years. He says, now only 40 years have passed of this. I'm feeling shy to ask Allah Ta'ala. I haven't even yet passed that amount of time in which I was in ease. I'm feeling shy to ask Allah Ta'ala. That was his caliber. But in any case, eventually time passed. And then Allah Ta'ala turned everything for him. And restored all his wealth as well. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with children again. And good health and everything came back. Now, after all this was restored, he said, Rabbi of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala asked him that, Ayyub, are you happier in this condition now, that everything has been restored to you, your health is back, your wealth is back, you've been blessed with children again, everything is on a positive note, are you happier in this condition, or are you happier in the condition you were previously, in the condition of that ill health, in that condition of all those challenges, were you happier? So Ibn Salaam replies, oh, this is also Adab that the Abi Ali Salaam are teaching us. This Adab, we started off on this talk of Adab. This is Adab in everything. So what was his reply? Now imagine if we are in a situation like that, what is our reply? We're going to now say something or the other, one side or the other. His first part of his reply was, Ya Allah, both conditions were your ni'mat. Both conditions are your ni'mat. He didn't write off either one. Now that was the adab. That, ya Allah, everything is in your wisdom. So both conditions are your favors. But Ya Allah, while I was in that condition of that illness, and that condition of that challenge, and everybody deserted me, and everybody had nothing to do with me, and I was down and out, and lost all my children and wealth and everything, but Allah, in that time, when I was ill, every morning, every evening, you used to inquire of me, that, oh Ayyub, how are you? Says that one aspect that you're inquiring, oh Ayyub, how are you? That used to bring such an enjoyment in me, that the morning when you used to ask me, it used to carry me through to the day, to the end of the day, it used to overcome everything else. It was like a person has got a pain, but there's a balm, Something that is now placed over it. So now it's all now suppressed. It's there but he doesn't feel it. It's there like an anesthetic now. So now everything is happening, a person is getting cut and whatever else. But the anesthetic has, has desensitized it. He's not feeling it. Ya Allah, that used to ask me, how are you? The whole day used to come out. And at night used to ask me, how are you? The whole night used to come out. I wouldn't feel anything. That enjoyment I'm missing out now. Now what is the lesson in that? That this enjoyment is in the heart. Ayyub alayhi salam was the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala asked him directly. But those who will submit themselves to Allah Ta'ala, 
then just as Allah Ta'ala put that happiness in the heart of Ayyub salam in the midst of all those challenges, in the midst of all that suffering and pain, and put such a joy and happiness in his heart, that it became like an anesthetic of all the pain. Likewise, in this time and age, though nobody will hear that unseen voice, but Allah Ta'ala is the creator of that happiness. And Allah Ta'ala is the creator of Ayyub salam And the same Allah Ta'ala. So the person who submits himself to Allah Ta'ala, and in this time when all these fitnas are surrounding, fitna at every corner, fitna Allah forbid in every hand, shaitan has become so smart. You all know what we are talking about. Shaitan has become so smart that he put the smartphone in everybody's hand. He's not they are smart. Shaitan was a smart one. That those fitnas which take a person sometimes maybe travel thousand miles to get to that fitna, now the press of a button. So this fitna is at every corner and every turn and every step. And in this time also a person submits himself to Allah Ta'ala. And especially at this age of the youth, and all these temptations and all these distractions, person has all these energies, and he just restricts himself, develops this adab in his life, and he submits himself to Allah Ta'ala, he just puts that pressure on his nafs, but doesn't give in to the temptations of nafs and shaitan, Allah Ta'ala will put that same happiness in his heart, which the whole dunya is looking for outside, and they won't find it anywhere, because it's not available anywhere else, it's only available in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, that in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, in His remembrance is the contentment and the peace and the serenity of the hearts. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Without exception, nowhere else. Everything else is a deception. Where will this come? This is where we need to now. That little sacrifice. We associate ourselves in the right company with the ulama of our community, mashayikh, Go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, spend our time in good environments, spend our time in the right places. The holidays come, the holidays are very, very critical times. Uh, somebody makes some sacrifice, not the whole holiday, half the holiday. He's going out in Jamaat, properly using the time, spending the time correctly. And the one advice I will give, that if you want to be smart about doing something, then when going out in Jamaat, leave the smartphone behind. We're going to some hanka, leave the smartphone behind. Then inshallah our time will be used very smartly. And will come back having earned something really smart. Something in the depths of the heart. So this is the way forward. This is where everything is kept. This is how we will inshallah see what great things Allah Ta'ala has taught for us. And that potential which each one has, which we spoke about right at the beginning. Allah Ta'ala will use each one. And that potential will become, will be realized. And Allah knows best, sitting here among ourselves at this age... They might be the Ghazalis and the Razis of the time, and maybe to bring it closer to ourselves, the Maulana Yunus Patel Rahmatullahis of the time, and the Maulana Abdul Hakum Maji Sahib Rahmatullahis of the time, and the many great ulama that are present in our country nowadays, or internationally around the world, who knows there might be people around here. There might be those community leaders here. There might be those who might do such service for deen, that maybe even those who have passed might not even have been able to match that. But that potential that is there to realize it, we need to bring alive these sifat and qualities. And that will come in this manner, that we be in the right places, in the right company, go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, 
Inshallah, we'll see how this will bring that peace to us in dunya also. It will open doors for us here. And the real place is the akhirat. Allah Ta'ala will bless us with what in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says that Allah Ta'ala says, أَعْدَدْتُ لِعِبَادِيَ الصَّالِحِينَ مَا لَا عَيْنٌ رَأَتْ وَلَا أُذُنٌ سَمِعَتْ وَلَا خَتَرَ عَلَى قَلْبِ بَشَرٌ That I have prepared for my pious servants what no eye has seen. Whatever we have seen in the dunya, this is no comparison, not one fraction of what is in Jannah. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard of, and what no heart can even imagine. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me and all of us the tawfiq, make us his true and obedient servants. Allah ta'ala make dunya also a place of aman and afiyat for us. Keep us in afiyat, in deen and dunya. And Allah ta'ala grant us jannatul firdaus. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه جمعين والحمد لله